And the philosophy, Doug, was very simply, rather than be like my colleagues that are constantly hindering thoughts, constantly procrastinating, and seeing all the reasons why they shouldn't, I was like, I'm going to flip it round. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to this week's episode of Goals Do Come True with me, Doug Bennett. And today I am joined by Matt Elwell. Now, Matt is a director of the Elite Closing Academy, and he's the author of an amazing book, which I reference in my new book, which is Open With A Close. And I think it's something when we use the term close and selling and people have not so good connotations on this, but this guy puts a different spin on it. The whole world is selling. We're all selling. We're selling to our partners. We're selling to our staff. We're selling to our clients and customers. So his book, Open With The Close, is one of my go-to places if I'm needing a bit of a lift. But anyway, that's enough of bigging the man up because he can do enough of that himself. So Matt, over to you. Tell us a little bit about what's going on. <laughs> yeah, no, mate. Uh, firstly, thank you as well for for the shout out around the book. That was definitely a dream that came true for me. <laughs> Probably like most people at the moment, it's uh, I'm a life trainer, so the last few months has been uh, back to the wall, lots of trainings. That's good. That's good. Now I've been on some of Matt's training, and as I say, it's really good stuff. I'm going to ask him a few questions, and he's not prepped for this, and this is good because you know we like to free work, whatever it is, freestyle it. They talk about big, hairy, audacious goals. Yeah. Okay. Have you got any going on at the moment, or any that you yeah. achieved recently? It's such a powerful question. I mean, look, first and foremost, I've got one major goal in a business term, and that is to change the way the world sells and closes. That, that's my big goal. It's, you call it audacious, big and hairy. And I suppose that the hard thing sometimes is how do you measure it? And I suppose all goals, it's like, how will I know when I've hit it? Don't let that, the measurement or not being able to measure it per se initially get in the way. Uh, and I look for li- little things that I am doing that help me measure that I'm achieving my goals. So like, that's the, the key focus in, in my life right now is to literally make a global difference to human beings that are sick to the back teeth of like literally not knowing how to serve, sell and close in a looking to natural way. And the more I travel, the more I do interviews like this, the more I speak around the country, sometimes outside of the country, whether it's online, offline, the more I move around, the bigger the problem I see around sales. There's just so much fear around sales. There's no world or international police for selling. And there isn't a governing body. There isn't a professional sales. There isn't like a professional governing body where you can actually go and learn how to be a professional salesperson. There seems to be like governing bodies for everything apart from sales. And again, that's a goal that I'm working on right now, which is I'm currently speaking to multiple universities in the UK how do we teach selling and closing, serving, selling and closing, even if it's just like sales 101, to children when they're growing up as part of the curriculum? Yeah, that's the big goal right here, right now. Excellent, excellent. And you touched on there, serve, seed, sell and close. Yeah. 
And I think that that's the essence of the Matt Elway, I would say, part of the Elite Closing Academy, which again is another incredibly cost-effective way for you to get on the journey, I would say. Matt's got, and we'll make sure the details are in the show notes. His Elite Closing Academy, just for anybody that's listening, it's a three-day course, right? And it will help you get on the road because this is a forever learning situation. But I want to come back to the serve, seed, sell, close. Can you amplify on that a little bit? Because I think that's a really useful thing for anybody listening that selling, as I said earlier, is is part and parcel of our lives. And this is a good way of doing it. Yeah, I'm happy to. It's a great question. I think, look, firstly, you have to consider what sales actually means. And this is probably, probably the number one thing that I see around the world that's wrong in, in the sales space. So many people think that selling is explaining, telling, and features and benefits just because somebody shows a scintilla of interest in your product or your service or they move towards you in some way. And then you get the salesperson that just starts talking at you. And it's like, oh my gosh, the problem you sir, is it's the problem is in our brain. If the brain is not engaged very quickly, it literally just closes off to salespeople. So if you sound salesy or you, you do the big pitch, you're explaining and talking, and the other person that's interested has stopped talking. They'll switch off. The definition of sales, and the best analogy I've got of this, mate, is if, if you can imagine a doctor, you go to the doctors with, a let's say, a, a bad ankle or a limp or a bad knee or whatever, and you hobble into the doctor. The doctor doesn't say, sit down, heart surgery. The, the doctor doesn't do that. The, the, the doctor goes, okay, so look, have a seat. Let me ask you a few questions. What are the symptoms? How's it making you feel? How long have you had it? What's going to happen if we don't mend it? What are you concerned about? And even after that initial consultation, they might then say, look, that's really helpful. And I'm going to send you for an X-ray. And then I'm going to send you for another scan. And then I might send you for another. So before they decide a course of action, they sell. By asking, and this this is what so many people do not understand. People think that selling is explaining and telling and persuading and talking people into it. The problem, if you're selling and persuading and talking people into it without understanding why they would need your product or service, is that you then use assumption and presumption. And you only have to say one thing that the other person doesn't like or doesn't need, and they're out. So, look, firstly, if you're listening to this, for those of you listening, then the one thing I'd do is ask yourself, what's your mindset around selling? Because if it's like talking and explaining, you're going to have a very painful life. So that's the first bit, right? You're going to have inconsistent results. Like There's always a time to do a bit of explaining. I always use the 10-second rule. If you're explaining why somebody should work with you or invest in you for more than 10 seconds, you're losing. They should be able to explain to you why they should work with you. So look, first thing is be a doctor. Gather information before you decide rather than decide before you gather information. And that's the number one mistake I see. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah, don't go straight in with the diagnosis. Investigate quite a a lot first. How can you? Well, that no, that's a good thing. So Tell us a little bit about your background, how you got to the Elite Closing Academy, because that's not been in existence forever. That's um, in our lifetime. It's how long? Three years. Three years. Okay. So what did you do beforehand? 
before, you know, because I've heard you tell this tale and I think it's, it's interesting what you used to do. I learned to sell the hard way. Nobody wakes up when they're young and go, hey, I want to be a professional salesperson. It's not a professional job. Still, it's not a profession. I think it is. And I think it's a skilled profession, but most people don't. So yeah, I took a really difficult job straight out of school and selling ladies sanitary wear in Birmingham, knocking doors, cold calling 200 doors a day. And I was crap at it. I had no selling skills. I had no training. I had no formula, no system, nothing to fall back on. But I quickly worked out that the most important skill that you need is human to human interaction. You've got to engage the brain. You've got to ask questions. You've got to stimulate. And you've got to join the conversation in the buyer's head very quickly. Like you've got seconds. I learned that very, like the hard way. After doing that for a few years, I worked at the photocopying industry. And again, I used to watch loads of wonderful people with good intention, literally just die inside because they had no skill. And the problem is for salespeople that aren't professional is if your skills are like here and fears here, like this thing will win every single time. And you'll know when you're in fear in sales, you might be negotiating. You know when fear rates because you procrastinate. You don't do things you should do. You email people instead of speak to them. You hide behind notes. You hide behind your computer. You go, oh, I'll just have a look at the notes and all the reasons why it didn't work out last time. And you fill yourself with hindering thoughts. And then you go, oh, just before I ring them, I'll just check the notes again. And, and what happens is you create like a, what I call a low consciousness state. You're expecting the worst. You have thoughts like, I know that I know it's going to be more than the one spend. And I know they'll probably be busy. And I know it's probably not the right time. And I'll be interrupting them. None of these things are true. None of them you know. And what happens is once you've decided that they can't afford it, once you've decided that it's not the right time, once you've decided that they probably won't want to go ahead with you, you are literally stuck in the mud. So I I used to watch my colleagues do this, and I thought, hey, what I need to do here is I need to find a system or some skills that beat fear. So if I feel like fear's coming up a bit, I've got to use the system and the process and suppress fear because we're human. My biggest fear in life as a salesperson, even now, is rejection. So I have to combat that by having a formula to fall back on. This is like a, a, an early learning for me. It was about now in my career. I was around about 18 and a half. We're actually starting to create the philosophy of Open With The Clothes. And the philosophy, Doug, was very simply, rather than be like my colleagues that are constantly in hindering thoughts, constantly procrastinating, and seeing all the reasons why they shouldn't, I was like, I'm going to flip it around. By the way, I used to listen to people make calls in the photocopying industry that started like this. Hey, it's just a quick call. I'm not trying to sell you anything. I appreciate you're probably busy, and I know it's probably more than you want to spend. And I'm going like, that is not a good start to a sales I think you've given them four objections. You've given them the four objections that they need. Yeah, and some lies. I'm not trying to say anything. I'm like, so hang on. So you've started with a lie. Then you've started with a load of hindering thoughts. Like, what is the likelihood of a human being responding to that in a positive way? It's like zero. It's probably, it's minus 10. So I need to flip this round. And and I quickly, when I learned to do this, I, I became like one of the sort of top salespeople in the company very quickly, even though I was really young. And what I worked out was, it's much better to have a reason. It's much better to set your intention. 
It's much better to be transparent. It's much better to say, the reason why I'm calling you is to find out what we could do to work together. You know, it's much better to have total transparency. So bottom line was, I worked out that, that it's much better to, to have a huge intention and to start with the end in mind. When I started to do that, I, I found I instantly got an engagement, even if that was engagement, because they knew what it was about. That Even if there's a, can I stop you? We just signed a new photocopying contract yesterday for 100 years. Leave me alone. At, at least they knew and I knew that the game was transparency. And look, the reason why I'm calling it is about your photocopy. Like, here I am. But I understand you might have one. Look, let me ask you a question. Like, when's your next contract up? Other than money, what are the five reasons why you decide to go with somebody else? What do you know about us? How can we help you? Just asking lots of questions, basically. So I learned that very quickly. And then at the age of 22, I had the opportunity to start a small family business with my dad and brother. Uh, and they'd started it and they wanted me to join. And I took a big pay cut uh, and I took a big risk and a big gamble. And I'm, I'm really glad I did because for 16 years, we were in the retail sector in tiles and bathrooms. So I learned a lot of the skills I'd learned over the phone in the photocopying industry. I bought into play over the counter, human to human, eyeball to eyeball. And, you know, we negotiated a lot of domestic contracts initially, and then we built the business up. We doubled its size for like four years in a row, like using the open with a close philosophy, like total transparency, no smoke and mirrors, lots of powerful questions. And, and one of the things that, that we did really well, I think, is to give people options and let them decide. And again, one of the big mistakes I've seen in sales so much is where salespeople are trying to control what you do or don't do. And actually, the power is the other way around. I always say in my trainings, stand up if you like to be controlled, and no one ever does. And yet, what do salespeople do? They try and get you to say this, get you to do that, and it doesn't feel good. So I always believe that, again, this is why the open the closed philosophy works, because it's the opposite of what everybody else does. I always believe that when your prospect is in choice, that's when you've got some control, not when you're controlling the choices your prospect makes. Uh, and that's a big one. It's a big one. When I say that, I'll get a lot of resistance initially, but then people start to realize it sinks in and they're like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's new. And, and what we did brilliantly, I think, and even today in the Elite Closing Academy, where people enroll in my 12-month program, there's one core product, two options, and two payment options. It's, it's the Academy. Gold or platinum, which one suits your best? Gold. And out the gold, there's two ways you can pay, in full or payment plan. Which one suits you? So humans love, there's some signs around this, humans love to buy when it's easy to buy. You should be easy to buy from. Not all complex, not all like, if you get this, you don't get that. If you do anything. So yeah, that, the background for me, that was the background, that, that Learning to sort of sell and close the hard way, knocking doors, then over the phone, then face to face. And then we start to negotiate big contracts and some commercial contracts. And, and then that led me to this day when I, I met my business partner a few years ago. And we decided, I decided that, that this being able to share this was a gift, actually. And, and it was a really humbling moment when I realized that being able to teach a human being that has some resistance to sales or finds sales a struggle 
when I realised that that was the gift, it took me 37 years to realise. I, I stopped what I was doing, left the family business and, and went becoming a coach and a trainer. And, and that's where I met my business partner. Hello, everybody. Thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you don't mind me just spending a few moments to tell you about my new book. I'm very excited. It's called Think Simple, Win Big, How to Build the Business of Your Dreams with a Few Simple Goals. And it's a rewrite of my original book, Goals Do Come True. And it's especially available for entrepreneurs, either new entrepreneurs or aspiring entrepreneurs who want to get the fundamentals right with their business. So if you are interested in getting your hands on a copy, go to my website, www.dougbennett.co.uk and register there and we'll make sure that you get first dibs on a copy and a discount on the 9 99 price. Anyway, let's go back to the podcast. So there's a story and I've, I've heard it before and it still, and it still gets me every time because I, I, I love this. You found your passion and you followed it and, and you've taken risks along the way to learn your trade, which is an important thing that people, you know, need to appreciate, understand that there are risks involved if you want to achieve anything at all. And again, giving up a family business that was growing and growing to go into this new arena, which it was three years ago. And I've seen Matt speak on stage. I've been to his trainings. And as I say, he gets a mention in my book because everybody needs to purchase Open With The Clothes. It's £2.80. Look, that's the cost of the postage, unless you've changed it recently. No, and again, in which case we'll have to edit that. I'll, I'll throw it over to you because I, I don't know what the latest deal is. But yeah. Uh, so, look, a couple of things I want to pick up on. Uh, again, thank you for your kind words. Look, there's a risk of doing something and there's a risk of not doing something. But, you know, for me, the people around me have got what you want to leave, your family business, you've got a lovely life and you live. And, and they were seeing it as only a risk. I, I got to a stage where I actually watched my uncle passed really quickly with a really severe brain cancer. And he was a wonderful man. He actually, he was from South Africa and he actually was chased out because he was, he fought against racism and he fought against apartheid. And, and he was literally chased out of his own country a long time ago. And he, he ended up in, in London. He's a wonderful man. Peter, his name was. A wonderful man, very spiritual man, a, a dentist and a preacher. And uh, somebody who's actively fighting uh, racism in South Africa as a white person at the time, which is a very difficult thing to do. You know? And he retired after 41 years of giving his life to taking the pain away from people in pain. He felt every little nerve. He was such a caring person. And uh, he retired and within 12 weeks was dead. And he was really looking forward to retiring and, and lots of projects that he'd got and dreams of, as I say, it was a very uh, religious, he wanted to preach and, I watched him die really quickly and we were a big part of the whole process. And he made the process unbelievably easy for us because he believed he was going into a better place and he believed in hope, but he had hopefulness all the way through. And I remember just a few days before he passed away, actually having a conversation with him about his amazing spiritual energy, even though we knew that, you know, things were bleak. And he just said, look, he said, Matt, you, I've got hope. 
And humans need hope to cope. And it, I remember it being like a real smack in the chops. I was like, oh my gosh, to be that hopeful and to be that open to possibilities. He, he believed that the surgeon would cut the cancer out. He believed that he'd make it. And he also believed that whatever happened next was going to be okay. And, and that, that's a big game changer for me. And I, I felt stuck in my job at the time. I'd become stuck inside. I was blaming everybody else. I was blaming the economy. I was blaming my dad, my brother, you name it. I was looking for someone to blame. And I remember that moment being the moment where I realized that actually I was in control of what was going to happen next by doing something now. I don't believe that the future is real. Now is the end of the past and now is the start of the future. So I got stuck in all the reasons why I shouldn't do stuff and all the people it's going to affect and all this stuff. And then I realized it was my choice. It was my choice. And I wanted to follow. There was a voice inside me saying, Matt, you've got information in your body that when shared is going to help other people. And I'll never forget this. I remember thinking to myself when my uncle passed, I actually carried it. I had the great privilege of carrying his body uh, in a coffin. And I remember thinking, if this was me right now, what would the headstone say? And all I can remember thinking was, it would say, here lies Matt Alwell, and he didn't add up to very much. And that was not good. I was like, hang on a minute, I need to sort myself out of it. So, yeah, that was a big turning point in my life. And, and that was when I, I decided to, to leave the family business, despite all the risks, because I knew if I didn't, and the staleness and the feeling of being stuck and frustrated was going to be a lot worse by staying in that place. So that was the big move. And then... Once we had my mind, I had a few months off actually, and I was going to take a, a, a fair chunk of time off. It ended up being a few months because the voice inside me was getting louder and louder and louder to go and look at, get some skills, become a coach, learn how to train, learn how to speak, share your message. I didn't know any more than that, but decided to follow my nose. Well, I hadn't heard that one before. There were goosebumps during that. We all have a, a, a time where life changes for you and, and your situation changes and something, as you, you said, it smacked you into the realisation that there are bigger things and we're all individual people. 7.5 billion people on the planet, we're all individual people and we've all got a gift that yeah. we need to bring out into the world and share with the world. And yeah, so kudos to you, mate. Kudos to you in that, in that respect. I think once I'd opened my mind and sort of come out of this channel tunnel thinking, then the possibilities became endless. And I actually went on a, a training course that was about possibility thinking, such a big part, part of how I think. And, and it was a really powerful training course by a rambo, an amazing youth called Andy Gilbert. He's got an amazing book called Go Mad About Thinking, Make a Difference is what mad stands for. And I'd highly recommend it to anybody to check it out. What Andy did is theorised some of the things that I was doing without knowing that I was doing them and loads of other amazing, magical things. And what happened is I had been stuck in a world of not educating myself. So I was like the boss or one of the bosses of a small to medium-sized enterprise, north to seven figures in a few years. I thought I'd got it all covered. I knew everything. Didn't need to take anybody else's advice. That was how shallow my thinking was. And once I started to educate myself, I quickly realized there was a whole other world out there of, of, of in here first, you know. And I don't know what people, I don't know what you believe, Doug, but look, I, I went into this four-day training course with a really closed mind at first. It was in Loughborough, and I nearly turned around three times. But there was a, another voice saying, you've got to go. 
there was a bigger voice saying, I don't think no one can teach me anything. I, I, what am I doing? I, why don't I want to go and sit with a load of people I don't know? And that was the whole ego was getting to the way. Anyway, I managed to get to this amazing place in Loughborough. And it's, in, it's a family farm where you learn how to become a possibility thinker in a business coaching sense. Anyway, day four of four days, um, I also did something I'd never done before because I thought anybody that was on Facebook was a tosser. I'd never done a post. I'd, n- I'd never done a post on Facebook in my life. So I went on day four, and the only thing that you had to do after four days of training was at the end of five o'clock that day, you had to take one action, either live in the room or before you got to your car, right? It was up to you. So I was like, okay, my close thinking is telling me that anybody on Facebook is fucking idiots, right? So that's obviously wrong. So I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my first ever post. And what I actually did was I sent the post in the morning at 9 a.m. And I put Matt Elwell is at Go Man Thinking in Loughborough. And then I turned my computer phone off. And I turned it off all day. At 5 o'clock, they gave us this one action. I thought, I'll tell you what, I'll do another post. So as I turned my phone on, the first person that messaged me was my now business guy, Nick James. And and it said, um, mate, what the fuck are you doing on Facebook kind of thing? And more importantly, what are you doing? And going, Matt, he's a client of mine or was a client of mine. And that was me and Nick coming together again. And that's how this partnership started. And I quickly, I, I quickly sat down with Nick and we realised that they gave me an opportunity to go and consult his team. And within a few weeks of me working with his team, uh, they'd either left or tripled their sales. There was a lot no in between, you know. And that was the start of the partnership and it's been a very formidable partnership ever since. Lots of super stuff here. I'm thinking you were asked to do something. It was out of your comfort zone. Again, totally against your thought processes and going on Facebook. And as a consequence, this new relationship, well, well no, because it, you knew each other anyway, but this new opportunity arose. And I think that's, do they call it serendipity? That is what it is, isn't it? The thing is, if you, first off, if you haven't got any goals, you're not going to be going anywhere. But, you know, if you are goal orientated and you start moving towards it, and that's another critical thing, just take action towards things. Action cures fear, which is one of my favorite phrases. Yeah. Take action towards something and then doors open. Yeah. Because if you're moving along the corridor, the doors will open. But if you just stay there and don't do anything, then they, they, they won't. There's some, Amazing stuff in there. I'm going to close the way I normally do. I'm going to ask for a Matt Elwell nugget. So this is a goals-based thing that everybody in the world needs to know. Go for it. Okay, cool. So I think, first off, when I think about goals, I love love the fact, I think the first thing I always do is I go, you've got to have like a, a super big goal. Because ultimately, if you know anything about the brain, if your brain cannot have or doesn't have a vision of the future, it can't get there. If it can have a vision, if it does have a vision, then it can. And so just think about that for one second. And, and for all you goal setters, and I'm no expert on goal setting, I can tell you that now. But one thing I can tell you is that at any time I've had a vision in my business, in my life, and particularly in business, any time I've had a vision that I've been able to see in the future, Every single time I've done that, I've hit it. And, and I'm going to give you a tangible example of this, if I can. Back in 2005, we'd had five years as a small family business, my dad, my brother, and myself, with 
three or four subcontractors, a few staff members, around about 10 of us. And we used to rent three old cow sheds. So we were paying up 30, 40,000 pounds a year in dead money, effectively. Not dead money because we had a business on it, but somebody else's mortgage was being paid by us. It didn't take a rocket scientist to say, hang on a minute, we, we, we'd invest in 30 or 40,000 a year in rent. How could we possibly find somewhere that was ours and utilize that money? And maybe if it was a little bit more, it would be okay towards having our own plot of land. Now, the other thing about these three cowsheds is that they were too small, that, that we'd hit a ceiling. So our environment had sort of, we'd leveled off, we'd hit that ceiling. You know, uh, I always say, the analogy I always use with this, by the way, is the biggest snake on God's planet is an anaconda, right? It can grow to 30 feet plus. It, it even eats human beings if you're not careful, right? That's how big this snake can get, that wide, 30 foot long. If you put a baby anaconda this big, in a four-foot glass box, it never grows. Never grows. If you kick the front of the glass down, it slithers off at grown to 30 feet. So that was us in business. We'd grown, but we couldn't go any further. We were, we were in our glass box. My brother and I were like, right, okay, let's have a look at what's possible. And let's. And my dad was like, oh, no, we're doing really well. Absolutely not. Now, my brother and I found a dead piece of land. We bought it at an auction. We ripped down the old building on there. We had a vision while we were doing this, having a massive 6,000 square foot, two-story showroom that we could possibly rent out to somebody else so they could pay the mortgage and we could put our business on there. My dad couldn't see it. And the friction, and, and obviously what I learned uh, as I got more experience with, with dad was actually to understand his fears a little bit. That's another thing. The answer to your question is, my brother and I, despite being completely different in personality, Completely different in every way, actually, virtually every way. The thing that held us together was we could see. We were at the mountain top and we could see the promised land the other side. We could see. My dad could only look up the mountain and see dark clouds. And even to this day, my dad, God bless him, he's coming around for a sausage sandwich in a Even to this day, he still moans about that decision. And yet it was that decision that enabled us to buy him out and, and, and he retired in 2009 uh, and he's been paid ever since as a result of that one decision. So the, the only thing I've got on, on goal set is you must start with a vision of what you want it to look like and think like a child. Think big. Everyone will try and stop you. When we said we're going to build a 6,000 square foot two-story showroom, I could hardly find in my peer group at the time. It would be different now, but I could hardly find a person to say, go for it. Great idea. What I generally thought was, well, hang on a minute. What happens if this and what about if that? And, oh, have you thought this through? I'm like, no, of course I haven't thought it through. I thought I'd just fucking borrow three quarters of a million quid and bug it. Like, of course I've thought it through. What are you talking about? So all of this shit, they try and inject it onto you. And you better get rid of it. If you're a goal setter and a visionary and, and a, a big thinker, you, you better get rid of it because you've been conditioned, you're conditioned now. I have to fight my conditioning all the time. I have to think big all the time. That's why I use possibility thinking. Oh, you can't do this. Imagine you could do it. No, but you can't. I know I can't. Imagine you could. You can't. I can. You can't. I can. Well, it's a constant battle. So my number one piece for everybody is think big, aim massive, have a vision. And then literally, this is the only with the closed philosophy. Once you can see the end in mind, work backwards with all the little things that would need to happen to make it happen.
And there you have it. There's the nugget. There's the essence of stuff. Big goals, yeah. big visions, have them. Matthew, thank you very much for joining me and um, realizing that it's your daughter's birthday. I'm even more appreciative of your time today. Ordinarily, we'd have a brief chat afterwards, but I think you've, one, got to make a sausage sandwich for your dad if he's coming round, and also obviously spend some time with your wonderful family. But all I can say is, Matt, thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to review and subscribe on Apple, Google or Spotify. I'd love to hear about your goals. You can share them with me at dougbennett.co.uk. 